this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. Operation Vacu Suck with the giant yes. statue, Statue yeah. of Liberty maze robot turned into Maid. Mega Maid. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't know why I said maze. What a dumbass! Uh, uh, God, what a, an amazing movie that is. Well, yeah. Well, I mean that was that guy was like Trump before Trump. <laughs> is it is it streaming anywhere? Do you know if Spaceballs or anything? Spaceballs I don't know. Related? It should I be. I I don't know. You know what I've been I've, I've started to do. I don't do it very often, but. There are some movies, you know, like Spaceballs or Pulp Fiction, just certain movies where you're like, I never want to be in a place where I don't have that movie. Yeah. So I'll just buy them on iTunes. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of like trying to, I think at one point, you know, it's like, oh, build the biggest catalog. Just build the stuff where you're like, there's certain movies that I need to be able to see when I want to see them. The rest of them, you know, if they're available, I'll watch them. If they're not, I'll live. You know what movie hits that list for me for some stupid reason? And it's not even a movie you would expect considering like how how pretentiously artsy I am about film. Die Hard. Mm, yeah, you talk about Die Hard a lot. I, I think I you like movie. Die Hard a lot more than I do. Dude, I love that movie. It's, such, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the movie that defined a genre. You talk about Die Hard the way that um, some people talk about Heat. And both of which I'm like, well, I enjoyed them, but I don't care if I ever see either of those movies again. Yeah, but Die Hard, Die Hard was the movie that defined the movies that would end up being like Heat. You know what I mean? See, I, I, th- I think that you're forgetting that Death Wish existed before that. Yeah, but Death Wish is a very different movie. You know, it, was, it wasn't the, the hero's journey in the same way that Die Hard was. Oh, shit. Who was I listening to? There's a 60% chance this was on Joe Rogan. As almost always, when I say I heard something the other day and I can't remember where it was, mm-hmm. somebody was talking about um, Death Wish, you know, because Bruce Willis just did a remake of it, mm-hmm. um, which is probably just like a giant commercial for the NRA. But um, basically, they were talking about like you can't remake Death Wish because yeah. De- Death Wish was like this morally complex movie in the sense that like when he kills people in the movie, mm-hmm. like he he looks fucked up, like he's yeah. not. 
he's not like this vicious event and in the sequels they made him into like this vicious avenging angel but in the first one like he's a normal dude and like the first person he kills like he looks like he's about to shit himself when he does it absolutely and that you might be right me in the sense that that movie had a moral conscience that die hard doesn't exactly die hard's just like they're the bad guys kill the bad guys no, Die Hard is definitely a a, a very caper based movie. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's also very western. Yeah, it's it's fully western, absolutely. And and considering well, and if it's fully western, then it's fully Kurosawa. Um, so the, the 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 archetype of the hero that as we understand him, like the Joseph Campbell type, you know, introduction in the story, the point of no return, the the hero's journey as we understand it is so clearly laid out in Die Hard <laughs> that I use it as kind of my way of defining that formula. Um, and so in many ways, it's it's the movie that that creates the genre um, and creates the hero's journey as we we currently understand it in modern cinema. Yeah, which is like this morally ambiguous. You know, like the the hero, the hero doesn't have regret. You know, like uh, Liam Neeson and Taken, and Liam Neeson in the other movie where he plays a badass. They kill the bad guys and they don't feel anything. Rambo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and that's another thing. I think um, I heard it might have been the same program. Yeah, they were talking about Rambo, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, Rambo." You know, it's like this movie about uh, you know, kill the commies and all this. And I'm like, oh, "This is not that." You guys are thinking of the second movie yeah that's entirely not like the first one's the first one's about ptsd and mental illness yes and it's not called rambo mm-hmm. it's, it's called, called first, first blood one. yeah yep. um and yeah that movie is about coming home from vietnam and being fucked up and then finding out all of your friends are fucking dead you know the, the yep. ones that survived the whole movie starts with him coming to visit uh war buddy and finding out the guys died of cancer yeah and then he has a run-in with a fascist cop, Brian Dennehy. And he retreats to the woods to get away yep. because he's still fucked up. You know, the way that uh, people with PTSD, especially after Vietnam, retreated to homelessness mm-hmm. and hides, but they keep coming after him. So like that whole movie is not about revenge. That movie is about actually not wanting to be violent, but being forced into it. Yeah, it's about survival, surely, surely, and and survival not just in in a physical way, but in a mental way too, as well. That's why they that's why they fucked up that movie with those sequels because they made it completely different. I, I feel the same way about Terminator. Not that Terminator Two wasn't a good movie, but it really has zero to do with the first Terminator. Sure, the first Terminator is a completely it's a movie. It's a horror movie. Sure. Yeah, it's a horror. Thr- it's it's a horror thriller movie for sure. Yeah, and it's about the the fear of technology. Now mm-hmm. they carry some of that into the later ones, but they become action movies, mm-hmm. and that was not distinctly not an action movie. You know, do you remember the scene where like he's going through the apartment with that laser light on his gun, and it's oh, yeah. just it's all dark, it's all mm-hmm. black, and all you see is that laser light sweeping across the room. It was one of the creepiest scenes ever. Yeah, sure. And that, I mean, Schwarzenegger is probably one of his best roles because it's one of the few times he played a villain other than Mr. Freeze. Ugh, that doesn't even count. <laughs> that movie should just be erased. Dude, Clooney still apologizes for that movie. I love it. You know what, though? I, I, it didn't do anything to his reputation. I think he has probably one of the most stellar reputations. I don't mean on a personal level or anything like that. I mean, just what he's done in the business 
everybody has the most respect for him, I think. Well, plus the, the movie, the pet projects he takes on, the philanthropy, like all the stuff that he produces, uh, you, you know, and I don't know Clooney at all, so I, I can't speak to this with any real accuracy other than the things that I've seen, but he seems like the kind of guy who just greenlights really, really good projects. Like Good Night and Good Luck is still one of my favorite movies of all time. And that's 100% Clooney, like from top to bottom, that's Clooney. Yeah, he just seems like a solid, stable dude is what it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, it helps that he got into show business super, super late and got his ass kicked before that. Well, no, he got into it early. He just didn't succeed for a yeah, really long yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, He was <laughs> on the Golden point. Girls in the 80s. Yeah, good point. Playing yeah, he, like a young cop. Yeah, he played bit crappy parts for... Well, not crappy parts, but he played small parts for a really long time before he finally got his break on ER. Yeah, I don't actually you know. It might not be the same episode, but there's another episode of Golden Girls where Quentin Tarantino's in there before speaking, he had done anything. Speaking of things that you bring up or that we bring up quite a bit, you bring up Golden Girls so often. <laughs> it's a huge part of my, my upbringing. So maybe I've never explained this before. First of all, I'm half Sicilian. So, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't even know that. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm half Sicilian. Okay. So like all the Sicily jokes... I kind of get those because I have relatives that uh, talk about stuff like that or mm. had. I mean, most of them are dead now. But sure. I had my, my grandmother's sister had a, was like personality wise, an 80% match to Sophia on that show. Mm. She, she was, a, when I was a kid, she bought me like this little, it was like this, it looked like the little green, is about the size, size of my fist. It was like a little green head but it had feet attached to the bottom. You know, it's like a toy. And it had this little green thing flapped out. When you squeezed it, it made farts. <laughs> and she was, and I mean, she was like in her 60s, she would have like, she was the person who put whoopee cushion underneath her chair and then invite a friend over and then just slowly lean on the whoopee cushion and play it out like it was real. Oh, man. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> So like there's there's a lot of that and plus my family all watched that show when it was on because of that even though it was ironically enough it, or not ironically funny enough the two women playing the Sicilians in that show were actually Jewish yeah but that that show had a lot of you know it was like the one show when I was younger that I could share with multi generations my grandparents generation my mother's generation my generation yeah so that's why it comes up a lot and I watch it a lot because it's it's like one of my safe shows. Uh, I got you. I don't have a I don't have a safe show anymore. Mm, I just like I guess maybe what I mean by safe show different than soft shows, but safe shows just like this is something no matter what when I put on be like eh, I enjoy this. Sure. You know, like a, a Friends would be one like that. It's not like I'm not gonna be like it's the best thing ever, but if you put it on, I'm gonna watch it and I'm gonna laugh. Yeah, I never felt that way about Friends. Excuse me, I had water in my mouth. <laughs> I just left you hanging there. <laughs> no, it's fine. I feel like there's a whole generation of shows that I completely glossed over, though, during that period of my life. Well, I didn't come to Friends until seven years ago, six or seven years ago. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I never watched Friends while it was actually physically on TV. Yeah, me neither. And, the, uh, and I don't think I got it I mean, I, uh, until I went through the whole thing once. And the first time what, what got me through that show wasn't necessarily that I really, like... You know, like the whole romance thing, you know, the whole Ross Rachel thing. I fucking hate that shit just because it's, it's stupid. Like they're together, they're apart, they're together. It's annoying. It's yep. frustrating. Sure. But like the two things that got me through that show the first time were, what's her name that plays Phoebe? Uh, uh, I, always, uh, I always blank on her name. 
Um, Lisa Kudrow. Thank you. She's fucking hilarious. So that got me through the show. And then uh, I've, since I was like a little kid, been in love with Courtney Cox. So Mm. I could could just watch her walk around the room and talk about, you know, uh, what she did at work today and be like, this is a good show. <laughs> well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I do have my, my, my safe shows too, but they're harder to find now. Like, cause they're older. Like mm-hmm. I used to be really into cheers. Um, and I loved night court. Night court was like my favorite I knew show. You were of all time. Say night court. I really? Why. I knew it. Anytime uh, somebody says something about this type of thing and they say, but you can't really find it. Night court is usually one of the first ones to come out. I still don't understand why night court and three's company are not available for streaming. Uh, three's company is one of those too. You make a fucking fortune off of both of those shows because oh, they're so good. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Cheers you can find. You can find Cheers. I think it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. But that's what I mean. Like those type of things. Those are the type of things you need to buy. Yeah, whatever show, whatever whatever service ends up getting Three's Company gets my money. And you know, um, one thing you know, like I I love streaming in a lot of ways, but streaming has ruined a few things. Um, one thing that it ruined was uh, marathons. Remember like a show that you liked, they do a TV marathon and you would like, for example, the one I'm thinking of is the New Year's Day Twilight Zone Marathon. Mm. Every year I used to buckle down on New Year's and try to get as many episodes of Twilight Zone in as I could. But then now that it's available all the time, I went through it once. I don't rewatch the Twilight Zone, but I used to. And it's, it's maybe just, you know, it's that ungratefulness where it's like, well, now that it's available all the time, it doesn't matter as much. I feel like for me, it's because my expectations of TV are different now. Um, there are so many shows that... And I'm sure that shows meant something. Or, or not that they meant something. But I, I'm sure that TV was was just as as epic or well-written or, or whatever it is in whatever generation prior to. But I feel like I identify with this generation's, of t, this generation's TV much more. Um, and so the shows that I watch, like all the HBO shows and stuff like that, definitely strike a more a more present chord for me in their emotional weight. Yeah, and I say I'm I'm far less tied to current TV. I could care less about 90 per, no more than 90%. 95% of the stuff that's on the air now. I usually go back and watch old stuff. By the yeah. way, I finally can I started watching now that it's available on streaming Veronica Mars. Oh yeah. <laughs> I understand why everybody loves Kristen Bell now. She's yep. so good in that show. Yeah, she's amazing in that show. Yeah, I I mean I yeah, yesterday was the fourth of July. We're recording this on July fifth. So yesterday, I didn't go to barbecues or anything. I don't drink, so I got no reason to go to a barbecue. So I I sat down and I watched pretty much the entire first season of Veronica Mars in one day. Wow. Yeah, it's like I still got to do that. Like, yeah, yeah, I haven't I haven't watched that show in a while. I loved that show when it was on, though. It's coming back, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, I heard. I hope I hope they do it well. I mean, Kristen Bell's a big part of of the new series, so I hope that they stay true to a lot of what made that first series great. So I'm I'm curious as to what what's going to come out of it. She's pretty selective about the stuff that I mean. She's not really involved in a lot of garbage. You know, yeah, you that's look true. at like uh, I have so much respect for the Good Place that they're ending after this season. I think yeah, that's a, that, that's a brave show in many ways, actually. It's it's their I think it's their fourth season will be the final season, and cause, yeah, because they already recorded season three. I just haven't seen it yet. Yep. And they said the reason they're doing it is because if they continued, they'd just be repeating. They don't want to repeat. I yeah. love that. Like, oh, cool, awesome! So go on and do something else. Maybe you could all do something together. You know, like nothing. 
That's 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 I know you hate this show, but that's the one thing that I love about the idea of American Horror Story mm. is that they can't repeat themselves because they change it every fucking season. Sure, I hate that show still. It's such a brilliant concept, though. It was it's like, a great, it's a great concept, sure. Recycling but recycling I mean, cast, recycling writers, just yeah. I mean, croissants are a brilliant concept, but I, there are plenty of people who fuck those up too. Yeah, I don't know. Oh I, God, I, I hate that show so I love much. That show. <laughs> I wouldn't say I love it. I, I'm, 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 I'm actually weirdly shocked that you like that show. I mean, it's it's got so many problems, um, mm-hmm. and from season to season, I know that they change it and it, it allows it room to breathe and grow and evolve. But like it's the same ensemble, same group of writers and everything. But it, the writing, the dialogue is so canned to me. Like I can't deal with it. The second season was what made it for me. That just. Jessica Lang in the second season made that show for me forever. Mm. She is at that as that evil, evil. Was she a nurse? Yeah, she was a nurse uh, in the in the asylum. No, she was a nun. Right? I don't remember. She man. was a nun and a nurse. It's been a long time since I saw it. But she was so good that everything else, I don't know. Like uh, it just worked for me. So I I will always be loyal to that show. I can't. You know, do I haven't it. watched it since season three. Yeah, I can't do it. I mean, I I fought my way through season one. I saw some season two. Watched a significant portion of season three and just could not handle it. Season three is not the one to judge that show by. If you didn't finish season two, then you don't know the best of that show. Because season two, you have to get all the way to the end. Because season two is fucking weird and it goes so many crazy places: aliens, Nazis, all of this crazy shit but the way that it wraps around at the end is dare i say it brilliant maybe maybe i'll give it a shot again purely because of you but i mean if i were left to my own devices i would never even try to watch that show again it's just i don't know it's if you haven't got to the end if you didn't see that whole sweep of that second season then you, i don't i'm not i don't think that you can compare to my experience because my it, the my main experience is based on the entirety of that season. Mm, so, I see. Um, it's possible that if I only saw the pieces that you saw, maybe I'd feel the same way you do. Yeah, season three. Season three was kind of my entry point, and I think that probably left a bad taste in my mouth for pretty much everything else. That's the weakest of those three seasons. Oh man, yeah. Season three was so painful. Like it was just the, the worst. One is fantastic. And yeah, shows the hotel one. I haven't got there yet. So many things stacked up. Just don't have the time. Yeah, I was gonna say like I, I, I I'm gonna be honest. I don't even watch TV much at all anymore. And it's not even by choice. I wish I had time to watch TV, but I'm I'm so busy these days. Fifty percent of the stuff I watch now is either old boxing matches or old baseball games. Huh? I just put them on, and I don't have any sound on, and then I listen to a podcast. It's a beautiful thing. Interesting. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I pay five dollars a month now for ESPN just to be able to watch the old stuff. Jeez! Wow. So I, you know, think about it. You're like, oh, boxing. You want to watch boxing? I want to see Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Sure. True. Good point. I want to see, like I put up on the, the Instagram, I want to see Hagler and Hearns. Oh my God, that fight is amazing. Yeah. That fight is literally a brawl. This, you know, like a, one of the things I hate about boxing is uh, when they hang on each other. Yeah. Like, okay, this is really boring. You're just hanging on each other. I know it's because they're exhausted or whatever, but that Hagler Hearns, that happens like so little. It's like maybe, maybe 10 times the whole, they only go three rounds. 
happens like 10 times. The rest of the time, they're fucking, they're not even like playing like uh, artful boxing. They're literally slugging at each other for three rounds, like throwing haymakers. Yeah, you can, miss- tell, you can tell those two dudes don't like each other. <laughs> oh my God. And it's crazy because Hagler was, he's like a, a, you know, he moved his head a lot, but he stays in place. He's planted. And Hearns was like popping around and jumping and dancing and, and he's got a longer reach. So he's like trying to attack from a distance. So it's totally two different fighting styles. And you're like, okay, so what's going to win here? Speed or strength? Mm-hmm. In the end, strength knocks Hearns on his ass. And <laughs> it's really cool to watch that. I mean, not to watch people get beat, but just to watch like, you know, they call it the, what do they call it? The gentle art? Is that the, what they used to call boxing? I don't know. You can really start to see the, when you watch old boxing matches, you can really see the art. Plus you can see some weird shit. Like when Hearns is coming into the, the round, you see all the guys around him. And I don't know why. I don't know if it was his thing, but most of these guys are wearing like light gray tuxedos with corsages. So they look like groomsmen for a fucking wedding. It's really weird. And then there's like one guy and I'm like, is that like a skinny heavy D? (laughs) What would you call him? Just D? Skinny D. (laughs) Yeah, medium weight D. Uh, So it's just because he had like the glasses, the same fade haircut. Yeah, yeah. It could have been him. Who knows? You know, maybe he got heavier when he got famous. Who knows? But yeah, it's fascinating to watch that stuff. But then I don't really care about the announcing you know, I'm not trying to like learn something. I'm just sure. watching it. So then I'll put on podcasts and just like listen to, you know, Sam Harris talk to some dude about well, it was like this one. Some this week was like some medical thing. How can you do both? That seems really distracting. How how can you not? You listen to you watch and listen to things all the time. What do you mean? Yeah, but they usually correlate with each other. I don't know. It just <laughs> And they don't connect. I don't know. I'm just watching something move and hearing something that has nothing to do with movement. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's me. weird. Like, I, I feel like it would bother me. I'll try it just for the sake of it, but I feel like that would, would inherently bother me somehow. Think about when you watch things, uh, when you watch like montages, you're watching action, but you're not hearing the sound of that action. You're hearing yeah. music. Yeah, it's true. They're not correlated. I don't know. know. I don't know. I, I, still don't, I, still don't think that, I still don't think I could do it. Yeah, it's a great way to do two things at once, but like not, and it's not taxing for me. It's really relaxing. Mm, interesting. I'll probably do that after this, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what, what I was thinking about? Um, something, you know, I've, I've been stuck on that. Um, you know, I get these little snags, mental snags, where I keep thinking about a certain thing. And the one thing I keep thinking about is that line in the description about doing things better, finding a way to do things better. You know what we don't do on the show often enough? I could say like a hundred things. What? Recommendations. Oh, true. Like, and, and you know, like it could be like product recommendations, movie recommendations, stuff like that. We don't do that often enough. I think that like we should incorporate more recommendations in because I, I feel like it's something that we would do in person. Like, you know, hey, it, check this out. I just found, you know, like a, the flea spray that I bought for the dog. Like, hey, this this shit's really good. If you got a flea problem, get this stuff and there's no pesticides in it. Cool. And then that's part of a conversation. I like... I mean, I think that's part of doing things better sometimes is finding new things. 
I wonder, I wonder why, I mean, considering what the show used to look like, it seems like something that we would just naturally fall into, but yeah, we've never really done it. No, we, we used to talk about like, oh, what are you watching? What are you listening? Which we kind of did in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Just almost like a, like we slipped into an old pattern. But yeah, like you you feel like that would have been like, I recommend, which makes far more sense in the context of what we're doing. Sure. So something to keep in mind as we move forward, because we are kind of doing it already in the sense that anytime we talk about a book, it's a recommendation. Sure. Because we're talking about, you know, we just talked about Veronica Mars. That's a recommendation. Sure. You know, if we're and, talking and about definitely it. go watch that show. That show is brilliant. Yeah, it's great. It's it's in that I would say that that Veronica Mars and the Big Lebowski are mm-hmm. two of the freshest takes on the noir genre out there. Sure, I totally agree. Because you know, take it uh, taking the hard boiled detective and making it a high school girl. Hmm, that's an interesting twist. Taking the hard boiled detective and making him a fucking middle aged stoner. Yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting <laughs> twist. Well, and just Lebowski on many levels too. It depends on when and how you watch that movie, but I feel like you get something entirely different out of it depending on where your headspace is. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they're also both Southern California, which is totally noir. You know, like a, a lot of people think this is interesting. I was talking to somebody about noir recently. They're like, "Oh, New York." I'm like, "No, like noir." Yeah, noir is noir is L.A., dude. It was L.A. and sometimes San Francisco. Yeah. But sure. almost always L.A. Yep, I agree. It was that oh, Art Deco oh, speaking, era. Speaking of, do you? Uh, I, I have a lot of hope for, um, and I really want to like the new uh, Tarantino project that's coming out. That's basically that genre. Oh yeah, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yep, I'm very curious about it. it Which is a I've, nod to uh, Sergio Leone. Yeah, I feel I feel like it's 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 Tarantino falling back into form, and it's funny that you say Leone because that's just one of his biggest influences, and I'm I'm very curious as to how true he's going to stay to the genre in that sense. Yeah, it'll be interesting because I mean the only Leone movie that that was even anything like that was Once Upon a Time in America, which was mm-hmm. a mafia movie, but yep. I think that was Chicago. Yep. Yeah, pretty sure it was Chicago. But yeah, it's it's. I've heard from a few th- in a few podcasts people talking about how it's pretty fucking pretty much the shit that it might be his magnum opus. I think, if I remember correctly, Kevin Smith's daughter has a small part in it. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he had her as a guest on his podcast once. Mm. So, I think, yeah, interesting to have your own daughter as a guest. It's been a long time since I've been this excited about a movie product, so I'm very curious as to how uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to play out. I, I, I'm i itching to see that movie. I can't think of the last movie that I couldn't... You know, the only movie I can think of that I've been like, oh, I'm really looking forward to seeing that is Endgame. But mm. that's just because I'm probably not going to be able to see it until November. What's happening? Oh, the streaming service? Yeah, because they're not going to stream it until that Disney service goes live. That's right. And I'm not going to pay $20 for a movie that I haven't... I like the Marvel movies, but I don't feel the need to own any of them. Mm. Because I don't think that I'm going to watch them again. That's hilarious. I own I own almost all of them. <laughs> I like them. And if they came on TV or they were on streaming, I'd probably watch them again. But I don't ever feel the urge like, you know what? I really need to see Iron Man again. Nope. Mm. Don't care. Like I liked it, I love them. I get excited for them, but for they're not the kind of movies that I want to rewatch. If I'm going to rewatch something, I'm probably going to rewatch a foreign film, something where I'm like, I probably missed half this. Sure. Or a comedy. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of a comedy that that fits that genre. It's funny when you said that, I, my mind immediately jumped to comedy, but I can't think of a comedy that I've rewatched a billion times. Spaceballs. I haven't watched that movie a million times. I mean, I've watched it plenty of times. Don't get me wrong, but I haven't watched it recently. You know, like like I I need I to watch. You said you had. I because uh, that's why we talked about it in an episode. I thought you said you just rewatched it. Did I? Pretty sure. Pretty sure. I'm now forgetting. I mean, I'm still concussed for anybody out there um, who doesn't know. Um, you might be right, but I can't, I can't recall when I would have done that. This is a time when you should be grateful that we don't have a very vocal audience. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get screamed at. Oh, you know that um, the accident, accidental, accidental tech podcast. Those guys get like their fans are particularly vocal. Mm-hmm. And I think they have a like a live forum during the show because they do sure. like a live version of the show. <laughs> I couldn't deal with that. Oh, I, I did rewatch Spaceball. Sorry, carry on. I couldn't deal with that where you know, like where there's people out there waiting to grab every inconsistency. You're like, sure. we're recording conversations. <laughs> Sometimes we're going to be inconsistent. Yeah, I can't imagine that would be. I, I would probably stop doing the podcast if I had to deal with that on every episode. That'd be madness. Yeah, because, you know, I think what people fail to understand about recording conversations is something that's inherent in a normal conversation is sometimes you say things, but you say it in a different way. You know, like, for example, last week you said you were going to start rereading Wind Up Bird. Mm-hmm. But we had had a conversation the week, no, two weeks before that about what it was like for you to read it when you were concussed. Huh. But, you know, it's not, it's not, so somebody be like, that's inconsistent. Be like, no, it's just the way he worded it that made you think something that he meant something differently. That's the way we word things. Sometimes, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna start rereading it, which means you probably put it down for a couple of weeks and you're gonna dive back in. Yep. But people take everything 100 percent like. But I thought you said that you were reading it again. It's like, yes, that is, both of those statements can be true and are true in this context. Or like, for example, like when I think last time you and yeah, it was the last episode you, you and I did. I'm pretty sure. That I was when I was talking about no, that was a really fucking jumpy sentence. Sorry, people. Sometimes I hear with the shit that comes out of my mouth, <laughs> right? Like that was like four parts of one sentence and never really get anywhere. The last time you and I did an episode, I mentioned that I was going to do Friday episodes. Mm-hmm. So that's there's people out there thinking like that's written in stone. Guess what? I changed my mind. I'm not going to. You know why I'm not going to? <laughs> Because I thought about it. I'm, you know, if I could do, do interviews, yeah, those will come out on Fridays. When, whenever I have somebody to talk to, I'll, I'll, I'm going to put it out on Fridays. I thought about it and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm already putting out two episodes a week on the free show. If I'm going to do extra effort for these longer shows, I'm going to put it on the Patreon. Sure. Like that's, this, you know, like, that's, that's stupid. That's kind of like, what it's built for, sure. Yeah. And like, like people are not getting gypped by only getting two episodes a week for free. That's more than most podcasts. Most podcasts only give you one episode. So, like, why would I even stack it on more when people don't necessarily want more? Sure. So I, I thought about it, but you know, like, there could be something. Oh, well, you you changed your mind. Yeah. Guess yeah. What yeah. Thinking. You did. You're human. <laughs> and and you know what's what's weird is because of this whole concussion thing too. Like, I don't realize the one thing that's been most dramatically affected is my memory. Mm. And it's weird because normally I actually have a really good memory. So it's very strange to have this experience where I just completely forget things. Mm-hmm. And, and, but, and, and that's like the Spaceball thing is a good example. Now I vaguely remember having rewatched Spaceballs in the recent past, but I don't even, I just still don't remember the details. Yeah, see, I think 
that's interesting that you're going through it right now and I'm studying that right now. Huh. Well, not concussions, but I am studying memory loss. Sure. I had very... I don't want to go into a lot of detail because I do with this in a, in a Patreon episode. But I uh, had a very, very interesting week this week as far as the novel goes. Very interesting week. Um, so I just finished reading... I just posted this like <laughs> like an hour ago on the... <laughs> Because uh, I almost forgot to to share this, but I just finished reading Deep Work by Cal Newport, so, mm-hmm. who is slowly becoming one of my favorite nonfiction authors. Uh, I actually started a third book of his already. But in the book, one of the things he talks about is this idea of something I've heard of before, but the way he approaches it is very different. Time blocks. Uh, he talks about like the importance of setting aside time. Like, this is the time I do this. This is the time I do this. And I guess he had written some article online and like somebody came back at him and, and you know, we're talking about at replies. Don't at me. Well, he got added. Added. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At, at. Sure. Um, and somebody saying like, oh, this makes people care more about counting minutes than blah, blah, blah. And this is where his, his theory of it gets very interesting. He says, no, that's the exact opposite of what I'm talking about. So what his concept is this. So you say, like, for example, I'll tell you how I did it. I want to write for two hours every day. Mm-hmm. And that's, I want that to be the first thing that I do every day so that I have all of my mental energy before I've spent it on anything else, even listening to podcasts, nothing. Even I haven't even looked at my phone yet. Two hours. So I'm going to block, block out two hours. Why two hours? Because I don't, I don't think I can go a full two hours but I think I can do like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to say an hour and a half because then you shortchange yourself and then you, you, you mess up your schedule, right? So you overestimate. That's one thing he says when people block time, they always underestimate. He sure. says always underestimate because we suck at estimating time. Overestimate, you mean? Yes. Always overestimate because we suck at it. Uh, estimating time. Sure. We think something's going to take us 20 minutes. It takes an hour and a half. Sure. So, and then what he says is, so set aside that time. He says, but, and what you want to do, what he, I haven't done this part yet, but he says, what you want to do is write out your schedule for the day. Okay, I'm doing this from this time to this time, this from this time to this time, this from this time to this time. Okay, and draw blocks around each of those. Now, say you go to write and you get them an hour through, you get an hour, we'll say, like I said, an hour and a half through. You still have half hour left, but you're out of energy on the writing. You can't do the writing anymore. Well, think about something else to do that's not on your, your list for the rest of the day for that next 30 minutes. Things that are not important. Like, okay, well, I have 30 minutes. I guess I'll check my email now. Hmm. He says, or move on to the next task. He says, but you have to do two things to move on to that next task on that time block list. You either have to... You have to do both. Sorry, not either. First, you have to wait at least five minutes mm-hmm. before you switch to the next task. And number two, you have to rewrite the schedule for the whole day. No. And the whole point of this is the two things. Number one, training your brain to not jump at novelty. So you're the whole point of the book, deep work, right? So you're training your brain going, this is the task that I'm doing. But I can't jump to that other stuff. 
Because when you jump, this is the thing that the digital media has taught us. This novelty of like, oh, I can jump here and I can do this. I can do this and I can do this. We never focus because sure. of that. Yeah. So you have to retrain your brain to focus. And that's why the five minutes is important too. You have to wait at least five minutes to make it clear that, okay, I am transitioning to this other thing purposefully instead of just kind of, you know, grazing. Sure. And, and the other section, uh, the other part is when you have to redo the schedule and you have to rethink all of that stuff. He's, he's, it's part of that training, but in a different way. It's almost like a punishment, right? Like, oh, I have to move this here. I have to move this here. So you're like training your brain to go, I don't want to do that. So I just, I'll find a way to fill that time. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I haven't done the schedule thing, right? Because I just, I haven't found the need for it yet. So the time block thing, he says, the reason the time block thing is important, he says, because if you could train your brain to focus on those times and then be willing, always be willing to extend, but never shorten, you know, Mm -hmm. try not to shorten, always be willing to extend. So if you are writing and you're on fire at two hours, keep going. Sure. Rewrite that schedule and give yourself a whole nother hour. Always favor the tasks that you're, you know, you're, that you're on fire on. Never sure. stop that. But when you focus on those one things, he says, what happens is your brain, when it learns to block out those other things and it can really focus on that, you end up getting more done. So like, for example, talk, he talks about uh, David Hanemeyer Hansen and Jason Fried, the owners of Basecamp. They did something not too long ago where they said, we're changing our work week to a four-hour or four-day work week instead of a five-day work week. And everybody was, you know, somebody, I think it was the, the Wall, Wall Street Journal or something, somebody, you know, ripped into them in an article saying, you know, four 10-hour days is, is just, it's too much. You know, you're asking people to be there for eight hours and then tack on another two just so that, you know, you can say it's only a four-day week. And he was like, uh, no, that, that's entirely not what I'm saying. I'm saying four eight-hour days. Yeah. Literally erase those other eight hours. Give people less time to work. And what they found out, it was an experiment. What they found out was because they only had... So it's eight times four. Is, uh, 32. 32. Yeah, sorry. Not not a quick multiplier. 32 hours instead of 40 hours. So what happened was people started being a little stingier with their time. Sure. Like, oh, you want to have this meeting? Does it have to be a meeting? Can we do it in email? You know, like, am I... these? So they start asking each other questions, you know, like, am I willing to waste what could potentially be an hour and a half in a meeting when I could read an email in five minutes? Sure. And they ended up their productivity shot through the roof by removing eight hours from the week. Interesting. But it makes sense because most of our time is either jumping around doing stupid shit. You know, like, I'm going to do something on my phone. And we think we're, we're so awesome because we can go into this app and do this one thing. But in reality, we dip into like five other apps every time we open our fucking phone. Sure. And all of that shit adds up over time. That's why we have when we look at our, you know, like our screen time things and it's like six hours on your phone today. You don't feel like you spent six hours because you just dipped a second into here, second into here. You open your Instagram, pulled down, refreshed, uh, read a comment. Guess what? That was two minutes. Every time you do that, you know, like that time eats up. But when you're able to get that novelty out and you're actually able to focus, you accomplish more because you're not wasting time. Sure. 
you know, like if you said, I, I, I do Instagram, but I only do it half hour every day. And it's exactly at 7.30 to 8 o'clock. And then I don't look at it any other time before 7.30 or after 8 o'clock. You probably get more done on, you know, like people who like to go through and comment on other pictures and stuff like that. You probably get more done in a half hour than you would if you were dipping into it all day. Do you have you tried to employ that yet? That's the way I've been doing email for years. Oh, okay. I only check email once a day. If it doesn't come to me before I open my email, guess what? Not going to see it till tomorrow. Got it. Tough titties. You know or, what I mean? Or if it's important enough, call me. And, and that has happened maybe twice in a year. Sure. And because people don't like to call me either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I I've made it pretty clear that like and that's one of the things I really liked about this book too. He talks about email and he's like he's like start using email properly. He's like people send such lazy fucking emails where they don't get details or they don't ask proper questions. So you end up with these back and forth email these conversations. Crazy de- email chains, yeah. Or is like he says, you know, like he's like, Oh, let me know on this. He says, No, that's not it. You say like for example, somebody sends you something like he reads a, a lot of uh, colleagues' papers, um, you know, like thesis and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sending this to me. I plan on reading this before next Friday. On next Friday, I will send you a detailed analysis of what I think. And then if you have any questions, you can call me on the phone on this day at, that, at this time. Yeah. Done. Now the... Oh, and you said then you end it with, and unless there's a problem, don't feel that you need to reply to this. Hmm. So in other words, done. Instead of like, oh yeah, I'll take a look at it. And then the person goes, cool. When do you think you... Now you end up spending a fucking half hour in this conversation when you could have just laid it all out. Yeah. And so that's one of the things like I try to do with my communications, like get to the fucking meat of it. Well, I mean, I will, I will tell you now that even from the persp- in my perspective, I mean, part of the reason why I'm not more committed to, to doing things for the show on a consistent basis is because I, I do have to worry about my living, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, if I didn't have a full-time job, do the things, the things that I could contribute to the show on, on many levels. Um, and, you know, even in this particular case with where I am now in my life, like I, not only do I have a full-time job, but I'm also looking for a full-time job at the same time. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so, and I, and I know that, that, you know, everyone's circumstances, um, that, that's also an easy cop out. And I don't want to use that as a cop out for not taking more action in general, but it's definitely, you know, it's definitely a motivator. Like when you have a compelling reason to do something in this particular case, it's your livelihood and your paycheck, then you will definitely do it because you, you like to eat and you like to sleep on a bed and have rent and stuff, you know? Yeah. There's definitely, there's a balance where I think... And we we talk about a balance a lot, but I mean, it is an important word. If you worry about your paycheck too much and don't pursue things, uh, let me put it this way: pursuing a paycheck is keeping afloat, right? Yeah, it's today. You're dealing with the you're dealing with the the small details, which is now describing how I actually generally communicate with people. <laughs> And I think I think that's that's the function of like me just being busier. Like I just don't have time for the chit chat and the back and forth. Well, not chit chat. It's the wrong way to put it. But I just get to the point, please, for the love of God, get to the point. There's okay. with uh, like I'm starting to really just dislike text message in general, 
just because there's I like the directness of those things. That's the part I do like about it. Sure. The part that I don't like about it is how flippant people have become in the sense that like um, somebody can call and uh, call, sorry, text and ask you a question and then you answer the question and then that's the end of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like they never explain to you like, oh, this is why I was asking that. And you know what I've trained myself to do? Mm. Stop fucking caring. <laughs> well, that'll do it. Sure. I just don't, it's like, you know, somebody says like, hey, have you ever seen this movie? Like, yeah, I saw it, I think, uh, six months ago. And then they never reply to that. I'm like, well, I guess that's all they needed to know. And I move <laughs> on. You know, but sometimes we'll like bait the person back. We're like, why? Like, you know what? I, I don't care anymore. Yeah. And if you didn't care enough to give me a response, then there's no reason for me to fish. Yeah. It's obviously not going to be a good conversation. Yep. Jeez. <laughs> well, fishing is just, it's a waste of time. Yeah, but I'm I'm so I'm so kind of just over having conversations via text anyway. So I kind of feel the same way about it. You know, it just it just seems not very informative or productive. And so from that perspective, especially with how busy I am these days, like it just it just does not feel like a good use of my time to sit there and respond to a hundred text messages, most of which I'll probably forget about within an hour. You know? Yeah, I mean, if you look at our <laughs> if you look at our email conversation, yeah, uh, lame. K home. Okay, ready when you are. Cool. <laughs> uh, shall we move recording tomorrow? Would be yes, wise. Would be wise. What time today? Pretty much any time. What time are you thinking? 5.30 or so. I'm in Palo Alto. Depends on traffic. Okay, works for me. Almost home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready whenever. Jumping on. It's like, it's like walkie-talkie. Right? I feel like we're sending telegrams. <laughs> It feels like it, but that's the way that's the way tech message should be used. Sure, precise, concise, and decisive. <laughs> Not these long. Oh man, just meandering yeah. messages that go nowhere. You know, I have there. There are a few people that I accept really long messages from because it's just the, that's who they are. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a some, and because it's who they are, there's an art to the longer ones, and they just have so much information to say, so they just pump it out in this, but. What I appreciate about that is they take the time to at least put it in one bubble. Sure. I hate when people break it up into like 15 bubbles. I'm oh, like, yeah, oh, that's obnoxious. Put the phone down. No, not yet. Not done yet. Duh, oh, duh, when duh. can I put the phone down? <laughs> when, when, am I, when am I supposed to jump in here? Although I will say I appreciate people who separate separate ideas into separate bubbles so I can yeah. answer individual questions. You know what I tried to do too? This is so funny. This actually does fit in the show because what we're talking about is trying to do things better. I, I break them into paragraphs. I'll use the same bubble, but I break them into different paragraphs. Oh yeah, sure. Using proper grammar in a text message? What's wrong with you? Just, you know, like, okay, that subject is in that paragraph. Space. Yeah. <laughs> other other topic. <laughs> I do hate when it goes back and forth, like when you're threading like three different conversations, like, nah, can we yeah, just talk about too much, then- yeah. Go to the other one later. Uh, what movie are you watching? Oh, I'm worrying about their relationships. Mm-hmm. All these things because they were so, you know, in that mode of like, wake up, go to work, come home, eat dinner, watch TV for 2.5 hours, go to bed, wake up, you know, rinse, repeat. And that's, it's really easy for me to see this <clears throat> because my whole life I've been terrified of that cycle. So like, I've always in my own life been like okay <laughs> to, the detri- to my detriment at, at certain points where it's like I'm not sure I'm going to be able to pay that bill 
Oh, sure. I mean, like right now at this point in my life, I'm on a, I'm a, in a very risky place. I'm putting, other than the money it takes to pay my bills, literally every cent after my bills are paid is at risk because I don't have anything after that. I have no disposable income at all anymore mm. because I'm instead of trying to find more clients, I'm putting more into this creative stuff. Sure. And I'm, I'm putting more into tomorrow. And right now that seems like a good balancing point. It won't last long because there will be one bill that pops up here or there that goes over that. You know, you always have that surprise expense and then who knows what will happen then. Yeah. Something that you don't see coming. I'm taking a risk right now, but sure. I, I feel like I'm I'm 42 years old, or I will be, in a month. I feel like I have to, because if I don't, then before I know it, I'll be 60. Sure. So it, that's why I think I've been thinking about this ownership more. Where I'm like, why isn't this being? You know, I want this and I want this and I want this. Why isn't that being done? Oh, because I didn't take ownership of it. Mm. Because Which explains a lot of the, the the way you're doing things now, just with the podcast. Like you definitely have been much more mindful in that sense of of what you're in charge of and what you're you're actually doing from episode to episode. You know, it's kind of cool. Actually, there was a shame. There was a shame to certain things before too. Where I think before I would have been ashamed to say this is my podcast. Mm-hmm. Really, I don't know why. Because yeah, weird. I, I would I think that because I would be afraid that people would interpret that as me like denigrating like Tom wasn't around then, but I would have been afraid that people would think that I was denigrating you like oh Lamb is a sidekick like it's not that it's not that it's that what his part is is to show up and talk mm-hmm. but all this other stuff that's my shit yeah of course and, and that means that this is my podcast and like I mean technically you could say like almost like you and Tom are just weekly guests. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have no illusions about that at all, dude. I know I know how much this thing means to you and how much work you're putting into it. And I have no right to think I'm even close to equal to you in the amount of time and work that you spend on making this podcast what it is. I but know it. And it's it's just recently where I'm like, I can take ownership of that. I can be like, yeah, that is, you know, I'm proud of that. Yeah, it's pretty damn remarkable, actually. And instead, I think I, would, I spent a lot of time almost being embarrassed of that. Isn't that weird? You know what? Think of it this way, dude. This podcast would not have survived without you. For on, for, on many different occasions, there were reasons for us to throw in the towel and you never let that happen. So many weird twists and turns too. Like I, You know what I think about a lot? This is really... Um, we're going actually a lot personal today. This is cool. Yeah, I, I don't like feel, it. But it's not an intrusion into like my personal life that I don't like. like it's, anyways... I've been thinking a lot about the when we were originally random badassery. We had our peak uh, as at that time we had the most downloads we've ever had in the show when we were doing the artist profiles. Mm-hmm. And so many changes after that, where it's like boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, I wonder what had happened, what would have happened if we could have just kept that. And I'm like, I, I was, I mentioned this either with Brandon or with Tom. So now I'm going to confuse my two conversations <laughs> where it's like, well, we couldn't have continued that because the amount of work it took to do those episodes, you didn't have the time to do the artist profiles and the other stuff that we were doing. It was just too much responsibility for going into an episode. Mm-hmm. And that's what I have to remind myself of. I'm like, Oh yeah, that was a nice, huge peak. Like, we were on a trajectory there, but it was a trajectory that I don't know that I wanted to stay on. 
I sure. like the way the show is now. Yeah, yeah, sure. And it's 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 more into the other characters for that matter. Like I felt more like a marionette with that book. And then when I got to the end of that, I had such an understanding that I was like, oh my God, I know this book now. Yeah. I know this book now. And like most of the stuff I'm going to rewrite, I'm going to have to write scenes that don't exist. I'm going to have to throw away probably half the scenes that I have, but it's going to be the book that I always wanted it to be. Sure. Well, because now you actually know what you want it to be. Exactly. Well, and it has that, it has a heart to it. You know, like we talked about the story thing before, right? Yeah. Like what's the story? You know, like Game of Thrones, who will sit on the Iron Throne? That embodies the whole show. Sure. Right? That's it. If you don't have that, which I didn't, if, of course you feel like you're outside of it, more entertaining for us, for you and I to do mm-hmm. these episodes and the other ones. You know, because we're more relaxed and we're more ourselves. I, I feel like we're not putting on a persona to do these episodes. Oh, definitely not. I mean, I'm in my underwear, Chad. Yeah, well, that could be your persona. That's you true. Weird touching himself guy. <laughs> Oh, I, please don't. Oh, man. I'm thinking about running for public office. I hope that never gets out. <laughs> I didn't say you are. I said you could be. Yeah, but you know how that works. In the- that day fulfilled all of the roles that I had set for myself. Yeah, I recorded part of a... Uh, I recorded a solo podcast that night too and a Patreon episode that night. So every role that I had set for myself in my life, I fulfilled in that one day. Interesting. Not to completion, but you know, like I was doing it. Like yeah, I'm yeah. a writer. Sure. I wrote. You know, I'm a podcaster. I podcasted. I want to be healthy and exercise. I did it three times that day. You know, like everything. How's the boxing coming along, by the way? I, you know, I, I've I've taken on a new, a new theory on that, in the sense that I don't go for long periods. I go for five minutes at a shot. Mm-hmm. So any time that I'm ready, I just go outside barefoot, whatever. Do it for five minutes, come back in. Hmm. Because I'm trying to train my brain to be like, this is something you can do whenever, they feel, whenever you feel like it. And train it into something just like watching TV. We're like, oh, let's do that now. Instead of making it like this, you know, like big grand thing that you have to do. The bigger you make exercise, the more daunting the exercise is, the easier it is to avoid it. Sure. You know, like I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do fucking... Uh, CrossFit for two hours. Well, on the day you're lazy, it's really hard to convince yourself to go do CrossFit for two hours. Sure. But if it's five minutes hitting a bag, it doesn't matter what day it is. I was sick one day and I fucking went out and did it. Hmm. It's weird. We have such opposite feelings about that. I feel like because I turn tasks into grandiose things, like exercise in particular, I feel like I'm more likely to do them. I feel like when you make something bigger than it is, personally... It, it makes it really easy to avoid it. Makes it easy to make excuses mm. when it's when it's when it's nothing. When it's just like brushing your teeth, then I mean nobody goes. Oh, you know what I forgot to do today? I forgot to brush my teeth. Or you know what? I was too lazy to brush my teeth today. Or I didn't feel like wiping my ass. I guess it kind of depends on like the way that I make it work for me is that I turn it into a task with an end goal. I think um, like for example with golf, I'll tell myself, okay. I want to hit 10 chips within three feet of the hole from 50 yards. Mm-hmm. And so I will not be done with that task until I achieve that. Yeah, that's gamification. Oh, yeah, um, true. Referring is what they did with it. You know, how many, how many people are in their 
bedrooms right now that are just as good, if not better guitar players than those two guys, but are going nowhere. Sure. Because they, they don't, they don't own it. Yeah. Well, think, think about think about the, the guest you just had on, um, Julie. Right? I, I I personally, and she's a fantastic model. So, Julie, I'm sorry if you're hearing this and you're and and this sounds wrong, but I definitely <laughs> think a much much better guitar player than she is a model. But damn, she's a really successful model because she works her ass off at it. You know what I mean? But she's such a talented guitarist, and very few people actually know that. You know, she's not just a guitarist; she's like a, a shreddy metal guitarist with incredible chops. Right? How many people? How many people on Instagram? Like she gave this example on that episode too. You know, how many? There's there are so many people who have no idea that she's ever even picked up a musical instrument, much less shredded in a metal band. Right. Well, I think that that's a lot of the stuff when you think about. Uh, musicians that are successful you find behind that there are other things that maybe they're even better at sure like oh look at anthony bourdain is a great example not a musician but anthony bourdain was mediocre chef he would Mm -hmm. say it himself he was not a great chef Mm -hmm. he was a pretty good writer Uh, and he would have been a hell of a director too I mean, honestly, like I, 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 I watched a bunch of the episodes of the various shows that he did and all of his influences, you know, all the people that, that I personally loved in, in, in the various um, directorial homages that he did in his shows, like, you know, guys like um, Chris Doyle and, and Wong Kar Wai. I mean, these, these, these musical, or I'm sorry, these film people that I have such a phenomenal respect for. And he, he essentially had the same influences. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like... What did he work at? What did he? What did he put himself in the position to do? To be a personality, sure. And if you asked him, that's probably the thing that he was the worst at. He probably thought that he was terrible at it. Oh man, he. But he loved it though. Uh, I don't know. He killed himself because of all the traveling. So I'm not sure if he loved it. Mm. But yeah, um, yeah, it's it's hard to know somebody's heart. I'm just throwing that out there. But the things that are very apparent aren't always the things that succeed, you know, like he, he did the writing was probably the thing that he thought he was the best at Mm -hmm. because I mean, he's, he wrote a lot of novels, even the intros to the show, he wrote those himself. Like that's probably the thing he thought he was the best at, Mm -hmm. but it's not the thing that he succeeded at the most. Sure. And that's, that's an interesting thing to think about or like, who knows? I know David Bowie liked to paint a lot. Maybe David Bowie was a better painter than he was a singer, but he worked harder at being a singer. He accepted that. And maybe, and maybe this is an instance where talent kills you. You know what I mean? I, I personally think that that's true. Like, I mean, I, I know that I'm a good walking example of that in many ways. Of all the things that I do, you know what I think I'm best at by far? What's that? Music. And you know what I didn't spend 20 years of my life doing? <laughs> it's weird, right? Yeah, it's super weird. I, and, and my sister used to, to, to give me crap about it because she's like, it's because it came too easy to me. And I think yeah. that that's definitely, definitely why. Like in, in, in examining my life as it is now, like I definitely know that the reason I didn't work as hard at it is because it, it was just innate. You know, it, it came to me naturally. Yeah, and what are the two things that you worked the hardest on? Probably, I guess, golf and photography, right? Yeah. And I was not a great photographer for when I first started. And golf, I was awful at it when I first started. The, and the two things you're probably... Not the only best do, right now. am I pretty good at it, but I work in the... Oh, yeah. By far. Not even close, actually. 
and writing too, actually. That's a good, that's a good thing to think about. When I was younger, I was a phenomenal writer for my age and I, I just didn't write for a while because I was just like, eh, bores me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's got to be some kind of, uh, kind of, some kind of struggle. And maybe mm-hmm. that's, maybe that's an important, this is a really good wraparound. Maybe that's a good important part of the ownership. Maybe if something isn't a struggle, it's hard for us to take ownership of it. You know, I've gotten this from quite a few people, including pretty much all of my exes. Um, The latest being, you know, she who shall not be named, not because I have a problem saying her name because I don't want to mention her on the show. But she used to tell me that one of the things I was just really good at was getting good at things. Mm, That's an interesting perspective. You know what I mean? Because when it came to stuff like that, dude, I when I was bad at something, I'd work my ass off at it because <laughs> I, I I couldn't accept that I'd be bad at it. And that's definitely the challenge of it. Like I just went rock climbing for the first day today or for the first time today. And I'm pretty awful at it. So now I, I, I can I can feel this 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 burning desire to get better at it. You know what I mean? You know what? Um, just to help you out a little bit, you know something that you're really bad at that you could get really good at? Mm. Getting people to listen to this show. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I just got to find a way to piss me off with it, and and I'll probably I'll probably <laughs> launch into it because that's I, I find that that's typically the pattern for me is if it pisses me off, like if it just vastly, you have to rebel against it. I have yeah, it has to be defiance. Like that's the overriding feeling, you know. I think mine is is that too. In in a sense, where it's like, oh, you're definitely a defiant human being. Mine is usually people think I can't do something, so I'm like, I'm gonna exactly. do it. I was just gonna say, like, the easiest way to get you to do something is to tell you you can't do it. <laughs> yeah, unless it's something I have no interest in. You could be like, mm, you know what you you probably could never do. You could probably never learn to play soccer. I'm like, you're probably right. You're probably correct. Sure, I have no interest in playing soccer. Yeah, there's definitely a fine line. Same with you, I'm sure too, right? I yeah, so say, some things just have I just have no interest in. Sure, you know what? You're terrible at lamb being a Republican. That's not going to make you go out and change yeah, your party gonna, yeah, because it, it has <laughs> to be something that it has to be something that appeals to a certain side of me. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's that's a really that's a really weird paradox when you think about it. We we push ownership off of ourselves because we fear challenge, but. If something doesn't challenge us, we can't take ownership of it. Yeah, sure. That is weird. That is really weird. And I'm not even sure how to digest what the fuck that means. <laughs> <laughs> so so for anyone who thinks we're faking, like we definitely we have real-time epiphanies on the show and it's fairly common for us to do so. Uh yeah. Um I'm at a loss for words even. <laughs> yeah, I'm also weird, at a loss that? for words because the dog is like pacing around my feet right now. Well, I also I, I mean for as long as I've known you, you've definitely been that guy. You know, you 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 struggle against something. And if you don't struggle against a thing, then it's not likely that you'll have very much interest in it. You know, that that brings up a really interesting point or a realization about myself that I've come to recently. We everybody listening may be aware of this that I've changed a lot in the podcast over the last, well, I guess it's been three and a half years. But there are other projects and stuff and a history of, of a lot of changes. And I think that uh, part of me was changing things so that I didn't have to take ownership. But I also think that I change things when I need a challenge. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. But like, for example, like, we know why I got rid of social media this time. 
Mm-hmm. But the last time that I, I got rid of my social media, which I think was like a year and a half ago, I think I did that as a challenge. You remember, I, I, I would say that you know, we don't need social media to promote the show. And then I spent like a year fucking proving that. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I, I think it all got inspired from digital minimalism and, and, and you pushed forward from that. Like, I, I definitely do think that, that whether, whether you admit to it or not, you're definitely more inspired more often than most people. Um, and, but, but it doesn't feel like inspiration. It, it, it feels like momentum. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm always, I feel weird if I don't have a project or something that I'm working on. Yeah, exactly. And maybe that's a problem too, is when things become regular, I no longer see them as a challenge. So then I have to seek other challenges. Mm-hmm. A lot of epiphanies mm-hmm. right now. Sure. You know, like yeah, for crazy. example, this podcast is pretty much a consistent thing for me. I don't have to do other than the guest episodes, which I'm still working back in. This, you know, recording with you and Tom is routine, editing mm-hmm. routine. It's no longer a challenge. Sure. Which it doesn't mean that I don't still enjoy it or whatever, but it means that I have to look for other challenges, which is probably why I'm working on the other project that I'm working on, just to have something challenging. And the reason I'm not telling anybody about it is because I don't want to. I, I want to actually. I don't want to tell people about anything anymore until it's fucking done. Mm. I'm tired of saying I'm working on something, and then people ask me how it's coming, and then either having to say I'm not doing it anymore. Or it's a longer process. Like I really wish I had never told anybody that I was working on a novel. Oh, geez. Yeah, sure. I'd probably be done with it if I hadn't told people. Hmm. That's an interesting phenomenon. Why do you think that is? Because I wouldn't... It's really easy to sublimate motivation to work into motivation to share. Mm. You know, it's really easy. Instead of sitting down and writing to tell people, oh man, I've been working on the novel. And it's tough, which I'm making fun of myself, but it is true. It's tough. But I wouldn't be able to bitch about it. I wouldn't be able to share that it's tough because nobody knows about it. Mm. So all I'd have to do is fucking grit and bear it and move forward or quit. Yeah, or quit. Yeah, sure. And that's another good reason to not tell people things because you free yourself to quit something when you know, when you don't want to do it anymore. Mm. You know, or it doesn't work and you don't, like if you're working on a book and it's just not working and you're like, this isn't the book I want to write. If Mm -hmm. you told people you're going to write it, you're going to make yourself try to at least pretend like you're still working on it because you don't want the public embarrassment of going, guess what? It didn't work. Sure. So if it's private, you can just say, no, this doesn't work. Boom. Move on to the next one. Mm -hmm. And nobody will know, you know, how many, how many great novelists out there, you know, they have five, 10 books. They probably wrote part of 10, 20 more. Oh, easily. Yeah. They just fucking never told anybody. Mm. Interesting. So I yeah, think that's got to be true. That's 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 the other side of the ownership thing, where it's like if you're going to own this, then like own it, like make it your own. Stop trying to fucking use it as a marketing ploy, mm-hmm. which we all do because social media wants us to do that. Share the process, whatever. You know, like yes, share the process on short-term things. Nobody wants the process shared on long-term things. Mm-hmm. You know, like imagine if I had an Instagram every day where I just took a picture of myself sitting at the desk wishing I was typing. <laughs> well, this is this is why Song Exploder works for one song and not for albums. Mm-hmm. 
Speaking of which, did you check out that podcast I recommended no, I to you? I haven't checked it out yet. No. I am going to recommend it to the audience too right now. But what's funny is literally the day after I recommended it to you, he released an episode on Paranoid Android. Oh, geez, like, really? Well, that's a good episode for Lamb to start yeah, with. Yeah, that's a heck of a way to start for me. Uh, the it's... podcast I'm talking about, everybody, is called Strong Songs. It's really cool. This guy is a former music teacher. He's a saxophone player. He plays many other instruments. He knows music theory. And he takes a song and he breaks it apart and tells you why it works. Um, and he's all over the place with songs. He did a jazz song. He did Dancing Queen by ABBA, Paranoid Android, I just said, uh, Tiny Dancer by Elton John, uh, Single Ladies by Beyonce, all over the place. And it, he's just, it's really, it's, it's nice. It's a really cool show. Like he'll go into things. He's like, okay, you see what he's doing with the chord progression here? And he'll play it for you on the piano and explain the note breakdown. It's like a music nerds. It's the step above Song Exploder. Song Exploder is the story of what's going on in the song. This show is the mechanics of what's in the song. Do you hear that? Yeah, it sounds like a robot trying to take off its pants. Uh, that is my Apple Watch, which is across the room. There's someone calling me on my phone. I oh, apologize ahead of time. It's so, vibrating. Yeah, speaking of paranoid androids. Oh, on a plate? Yeah. Well, no, it's on like a metal hand table. I probably picked the <laughs> worst place to put it. That's the, I'm imagining like a giant Apple Watch. <laughs> <laughs> Something like the Apple chest plate. Hold oh on. I'm, I'm getting so a sorry, phone guys. call. <laughs> this thing measures my heart rate by beaming light through my chest. Oh, man. Good God. Yeah, we're getting weird, guys. going to be okay. Uh, <laughs> you will live. You will survive. <laughs> uh, yeah, great podcast. <laughs> 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 that almost sounded like I was talking about our podcast. I mean, strong songs. I've been re-listening uh, to Stranglers, too. Do you, know who, do you know who that guy is? What guy? The guy on the strong songs. Like, is he someone that we'd recognize? Oh no, I've no I don't I have no idea. I don't even know his name. Gotcha. Okay. He says it, but I I never Kirk Hamilton. I just looked. I happened to be in the app when you asked me that. Sounded like I had that memorized, didn't it? Yep. Pretty smooth. If you hadn't told me I didn't know, that I wouldn't have known that you didn't know. Yeah. Covering it up. So you outed yourself on that? That's okay. I don't need to be famous for remembering things. I don't want to be famous for remembering things. Yeah, it makes you think you don't really want to be famous for much. You know what I mean? Because then there's that that just unenviable expectation that haunts you. Right. Like, here's a good question for you. Would you be happy or unhappy with being a one-hit wonder? Unhappy. I know it. And why? Um, because I, I life changes so much we change so much um that i wouldn't want to be known for one particular thing because whatever it was that i'd be known for i wouldn't want to be known for at some other point you know what would be the best to be like a one-hit wonder but you're in a band like kiss or slipknot where nobody knows what you look like oh yeah rake in the fucking money and then spend the rest of your life like being a quote-unquote real artist you know, like, yes, I wrote Cherry Pie, but I've been playing piano in concert for years. Like freaking uh, how Jim Carrey is a phenomenal painter. Mm-hmm. 
He, uh, what's funny is I don't think he was a very good painter when he started. I saw some of his stuff. It was awful. And then it got pretty good. And, uh, speaks to the challenge thing again. Whoops. Speaking of challenge, I need to Uh, challenge myself not to burp in the middle of episodes. The episode with him and, uh, on comedians and cars. I love that episode. It's a really good episode, and it's so weirdly insightful. I mean, it's it, it was it was actually a very uh, it was a it was a very earnest look at an artist's life, actually, and the the the, the cost of fame. It's really really amazing. And he is a strange dude. Like he is so wise in some ways, and then just so weird in other ways. I love it. Mm-hmm. He's not easy. You're like, oh, he's very sage and very wise, and then he'll say something else, and you're like, that was stupid. Like, nope, you might be a village idiot, but you're also one of the wisest village idiots out there. Ah, man, I, I'm so sorry, Jim Carrey, if that's insulting. Um, I think he'd be okay with that. I mean, he did spend his life doing characters like uh, Fire Marshal Bill and stuff like that. And Ace Ventura, sure. Yeah. Purposefully making, quote unquote, an idiot of himself, mm-hmm. which he doesn't do anymore. He has, yeah. I haven't seen that. What is that thing that he's doing now? Is it a TV show or was it a movie? I don't remember. I didn't even know he was doing anything. There's something I'm going to look right now because it's stupid that I don't know this. I remember uh, hearing of that. Like, I mean, it, there was a mention of it. Like, he went to an award show or something like that. And or he won something, I feel like. Maybe. I feel like he won an Emmy or something. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Looking, looking, looking. Let's see. Kidding. TV show. That's what it is. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he's playing a kid's TV show host. Like kind uh-huh. of, I guess maybe like a, a Mr. Rogers type thing. Got it. Okay. I haven't seen it, but I've heard good things about it. Maybe maybe that should be an action item. If we can watch it. What is it on? Watch on Prime now. Yep. Okay. Oh, it's Showtime. That's why I haven't heard much about it. Showtime, you guys need to up your marketing because I hear about everything HBO does. I don't hear about shit you guys do. Yeah, sure. Granted, maybe they're kicking ass on social media and I just don't know it. All right, I'm going to get an action item. I'm going to make it for both of us. Watch one episode of Kidding. Mm, okay. Make Not it a- simple. I, plus, I really like Jim Carrey, so that won't be a tough one for me. You know what What I'll do? Um, I'm gonna, I'll just ask you this live on the show. Do you want me to share the notes where I put the action item in Apple Notes? Or you don't want me to just send a screenshot of all the action items? Screenshot. Okay. Uh, watch one episode of Kidding. Everybody else, you should do that too. Then we can all talk about it together. Actually, you technically could. If you had questions, you could DM them on Instagram about Kidding. Yes. Do you have any idea how old Jim Carrey is? 65. No, he's got to be younger than that, right? Yeah, he's got to be younger than that. But that's weird because that means he's not that much older than us. Mm. Yeah, but none of the artists we know and love are that much older than us. Yeah, I was listening to something the other day and they're like, oh, I'm 46. And I'm like, what? You're four years older than me? That's it? I don't remember who it was, but it blew me away. Uh, Jim Carrey, what year were you born? That doesn't help. It doesn't. Oh, 1962. So that would be 15 years older than me. So that would make him... 50-something? 57, yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. Near in the 60s. My mom's age, so he could be friends with my mom. That's weird. Your mom's young. 
Yeah, she has had me when she was 17. I'm not sure if she'd want me to tell the world that, but it's too late now. Well, no, no she's young. And she wants you to tell the world that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's me. a good point. Um, <laughs> that is, she's young. <laughs> she also looks incredibly young, and I feel like there's an action item there. Do you, what, what, there's an action item about your mom being young? I'm going to post a picture of my mom and I next to each other, and you tell me how old she looks. I am not going to do that. <laughs> No, <laughs> there's no way in hell I'm going to do that. Every man knows you never do that. You can post the picture though. <laughs> oh, mom, I'm so sorry. Do you guys go out go out to eat and people think you're on a date? I've gotten that. It's really gross. Um, it might be gross for you, but it's flattering for your mom. True. I think every time I go out to you with my mom, she always, if the waitress is cute, she always makes sure to say something like, oh, me and my son. <laughs> mm, just to get it out of the way early. Thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. The room, she probably hears me saying this right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, Lordy, where's the, where's the timer? How, oh, man, we are only an hour and 20 minutes into this episode. Actually, it feels like a lot shorter than that i feel like we've only been talking for like 40 minutes really yeah i mean i don't feel like we've been talking for like three hours i don't know what i have no concept of the time right now well maybe it's because of the time of day in which we're speaking to yes exactly yeah it's weird how much that changes the dynamic of the show remember the morning episode that was super weird that was one of the i think the episode came out fine but it was one of the more uncomfortable recording sessions yeah, it was really strange. No, I, I totally agree. I couldn't tell you why, but it was definitely very, very strange. Yeah, I feel like we're more discombobulated in the daylight. No, I feel like it's. I feel like it's because we have more energy than we're used to. <laughs> you, yeah, that's probably it too. You, you know, what's funny is yesterday Brandon and I recorded for I don't know. I think we we went like an hour and forty minutes or something like that, and then we ended the recording. And we ended up talking for two hours and 20 minutes more. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. I remember we've had a few of those episodes where we talk for like an hour and a half after the episode's over. Oh, and what's funny is like it wasn't all personal stuff. I could have literally kept recording because we talked about stuff. There's one point where even Brandon was like, maybe we should have talked about this. <laughs> we talked about movies like a lot in, in the actual episode. But then we talked about so much more after that. Like... Mm-hmm global warming and all these other things. Jeez. Like, yeah, like we went deep. It's like it took an hour and a half for it to warm up. It happens sometimes. You know, with us, like you said, sometimes like it's work to like get the conversation like moving and then we end and it's like, whoa, no, my, my engine's still going. I still got more. Hmm. I wonder if it's it's one of those like, because, you know, you, you've always kind of wanted recurring guests. Um, I feel like there are a couple of people now that, that kind of fit that bill, like just in how I've heard their episodes. I mean, I know that you and Brandon, because of the way Brandon speaks, it gets, it's pretty raw. Mm-hmm. And so it probably makes for some, some entertaining time on the, the show. And I, I, I loved Julie's episode. Um, she was so much fun. We're slowly but surely finding the, the people that make sense, you know? Yeah, I think there's, there should always be every show should that have guest sections should have a mix of like, people that are new that nobody's heard before. Maybe I've never talked to before mm-hmm. and people that have been on before people that are familiar people that I know. Well, I feel like that that's a really good mix of things 
because when you when you're always trying to get new people on, I think you get caught up on like this ramp. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I gotta get somebody that's more famous than the last person and more more reach than the last person. You get stuck on like that stupid end of it. Whereas when you do it like this, you're like, I just want to talk to people. Yeah. You want to you want to talk to people and have entertaining conversations and or learn something. Yeah, and sometimes you feel like talking to somebody you don't know. Sometimes <clears throat> you feel like talking to somebody you do know. That's real life. Yeah, in a weird sort of way too. This this the show itself gives you an avenue to talk to people in long form in ways that you probably wouldn't otherwise. Especially in my daily life. Sure, sure. Like I think about some of the the conversations that that. Or, or in in just listening to the show, like you know the angles conversation, for example, like when's the last time you sat down and talked to him for two hours? You know, probably when I was drunk. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like if you got Carlos Atelier on the show, or 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 you know even your conversation with Eric. I mean, the the length of those conversations is so much longer than a normal conversation you'd have with that person in almost any other environment. And there's something really nice about that. You know, there's there's a depth that you can get to that you wouldn't have found otherwise. That's why I really look forward to having a studio and to be able to do them in person. You know, not all of them, you know, if you're talking to somebody you don't know, the chances of them being in the same city as you is a lot slimmer. But at least with the people I know, bring them in and then also be able to bring like you and Tom or you or Tom into those as well to just even play with the dynamics of that. You know, like, okay, you and I have talked one-on-one like three times but what about if we throw lamb in this mix how's mm, the conversation sure. go now yeah yeah and it's just you know we've we've said before it's just too logistically hard to do remotely because it just gets to be a fucking mess of interruptions mm. <laughs> when you can't see each other you remember that <clears throat> that the drew one went okay because we the first time we interviewed drew it went okay just because i cut out a ton of silence Mm, sure. You remember doing that? It was yeah, like, oh, I do. Drew would answer a question, then it'd be like very silent. And then one of us would finally decide that, okay, I'll be the one to ask a question because we didn't want to be like jumping at the same time. It just makes it in person that wouldn't happen. So. Yeah, what a weird dynamic that is, though. I mean, it's it's something that you don't really know until you get into it. And I imagine, too, from from that perspective, it's different every time you have a guest. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like in in that from that perspective, it's actually easier to do a one on one interview versus having two people talking on the show, unless you've practiced it enough. You know, on in remote, yeah, absolutely. In person, I'm not. I wouldn't worry about it too much. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, as you know, like it's not really an interview. Sure. 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 So yeah, I don't have point. I don't have to worry about leading it so much. So if you know if it goes off at the rails with like three people, it goes off the rails. Sure. That's Good the way point. the conversation went. In the end. You know, like I don't uh, actually in editing Brandon's episode, I was listening and I'm like, mm, I talked too much. Mm. Like I definitely out talked Brandon in the episode, but that's that's what happened. And he'll be back on again, and I'll probably let him out talk me next time. Sure, I like that naturalness. Well, it's also nice to have the possibility of recurring guests too, because you can kind of learn from episode to episode how it's supposed to go. You know, right. To talk, just like we bring bringing up topics that we're continually digging into, and not just the ones that I'm bringing in the episodes now, but stuff that we've talked about before. You know, like uh, we've talked so many times about surveillance capitalism and creativity and all these things that keep coming back in that allows that topic to expand and grow. 
And the same thing can happen with guests too. It's like, oh, you know, last time we were talking about this. Well, that was a year ago. And in that year, <laughs> I thought about that a lot. So that could be a really interesting dynamic. I'm looking at the guest page right now and I'm like, hmm, might be time to start reinviting some people. God, what a weird dynamic that is. What, reinviting people? Well, I mean, just the 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 ability to revisit stuff, you know, and I know that the, the, that other podcasts and various shows deal with this, but I mean, for us, it's different because there have been so many iterations of the show that it hasn't stayed consistent to a certain set of themes. And so because of that, um, because it's more structured and stable now than it has been in a while, there is the possibility of things coming back. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's very different. Well, it's like, uh, I was actually, I'm looking at a picture of Vinny LePay right now. We were texting like not too long ago. I don't know if I said this in the episode. He was the first interview that I did as when the show was Creative Minds, mm-hmm. and uh, it was his birthday. And I don't I don't know Vinny in person. We've only met online, but I he he wanted to do the show, and he was totally down to do it on his birthday. I didn't even know it was his birthday till we finished recording. And then he texted me not too long ago, and I said, "Oh, you got to come on the show again." And he's like, "So funny you say that." He's like. Today is my birthday again. <laughs> it was either today or tomorrow's my birthday. I can't remember, but I was like, whoa, how random and weird is that? Wait, and you didn't know this? No, I didn't know it. Whoa, weird. That is super weird. No, we just happened to be, we just happened to end up in a text conversation. And I said, you got to come back on the show. And it was like the day or the day before the same time he was on last year. Oh, man. What are the chances? That's so random. Yeah, so crazy. But yeah, one of the things going back to what you're saying about topics coming back around, what I've really been thinking about is going back and re-listening to episodes and pulling older topics and going, hmm, we should bring that up again. <laughs> really just it, like, actually, you know, I have it on this post and I almost forgot. I wanted to give a system update. You know, we were talking about systems last time. Yeah. Into play. Yeah. So it has to be a moment in which you could actually create the circumstance that would be your imminent demise. Yeah, I have to be in control of my legs. <laughs> you know, like that, that's, that's just a fun sentence. <laughs> that might be the name of the episode. <laughs> I have to be in input phase where they're watching stuff and listening to stuff. They go, "Oh, we got an idea for Hail Caesar!" Boom, take down Hail Caesar. And I really like that idea of of projects. Um, I think that's a really great way to do things. But what I've also stumbled onto myself 